Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. I'm Sasha Barbagat. It is January 26, Australia Day. There will be plenty of people listening who don't recognise or support January 26 as our national day. It is often called Invasion Day, acknowledging the fact British settlers arrived uninvited on this day in 1788. This year's National Day is particularly fraught after the defeat of the Indigenous Voice to Parliament last year and the decision by a number of big retailers to stop stocking Australia Day merchandise. So it's emergence, I think, as a, a kind of focus of, of some sort of, uh, you know, national symbolism really has been pretty recent. And in retrospect, it might actually be seen as a fairly brief period because it clearly is no longer able to perform that role. That's coming up shortly. But first, here are today's headlines from our listener newsroom. It is Friday, January 26. Thanks, Sash. Well, Cyclone Kiralee has crossed the North Queensland coast overnight as a cat too, leaving some 50,000 homes without power, 40,000 of those in Townsville. It was initially thought it could make impact as a cat three, but made a turn north of the city and downgraded to a two. There were 176 requests for assistance as strong winds blew trees sideways, while the storm surge was better than anticipated. Daryl Camp from the SES says they're assessing the damage now it's daylight with things looking fairly okay. At the moment we've got a number of trees down and a few houses with leaking roofs. Well Angus Hines from the Weather Bureau has told us the system has this morning downgraded to a low but there are concerns for flooding as it moves further inland over the coming days. It's likely to carry on on a westward trajectory moving towards northwestern parts of the state with very heavy rain expected around northwest Queensland uh, as we move into and through the weekend. Now if you remember it comes after Cyclone Jasper lashed north of Cairns just last month as a katsu also. Moving on to January 26 news now and two pioneers of melanoma treatment who saved thousands of lives have been named the 2024 Australians of the Year. Professor Georgina Long and Professor Richard Scolia have received the honour at a ceremony in Canberra overnight. They say the recognition is deeply moving. We never imagined our life work would lead us here. We stand here tonight proudly representing every melanoma patient and their families but also those with brain cancer and indeed all cancers. Meantime, the controversial day is seeing thousands gather at events across the country today, from smoking ceremonies to music festivals and Invasion Day rallies, in solidarity with First Nations people calling for the country's pollies to change the date. Overnight, the Sydney Opera House sales were illuminated with projections of Aboriginal artwork. Today marks the first Australia Day since the failed voice referendum, with a deep dive on that one coming up. And if you want to be rich for 2024, there were no Division 1 winners in last night's Powerball, not even me, meaning it'll jackpot to 200 million bucks next week. That'll make it the biggest lotto prize in Aussie history. The debate about Australia Day blows up every year and the overwhelming rejection of the voice to Parliament in last year's referendum has only made matters more complicated. While acknowledging there are plenty of our listeners who do want the day changed, there is still very strong support to keep Australia Day where it is. So what's the way forward? Frank Bongiorno is a political historian at the Australian National University and he joins me now to discuss it. Frank, thanks for being here with us today. 
This was something that I wasn't anticipating to happen. I've always viewed the issues as separate, even though they involve and concern Indigenous Australians. I didn't expect a hangover of the voice debate to be kind of this shift in how we discuss Australia Day. How did the failed voice referendum affect our attitude to January 26? Well, I think the voice has produced a kind of backlash politics. Uh, but that said, there'd been a pretty vigorous debate about Australia Day, a movement to change the date, you know, really for some years now, probably going back seven or eight years, perhaps a bit longer. And the controversies over Australia Day, of course, are much older than that. I, I think during the pandemic, there was probably a retreat from, from the issue. Uh, people's preoccupations were elsewhere. There was some, obviously, disruption of the kinds of activities that would normally occur on Australia Day, on the 26th of January. And so I suppose with the end of the pandemic, there has been a return to some of those kinds of controversies. I think there's also quite an interesting and and in some ways surprisingly intimate relationship with public attitudes to Anzac Day, the 25th of April. There's almost a sense in which, you know, during that period around the time of the centenary of the First World War, there was more of a preoccupation with Anzac Day, a sense that it was, you know, a more authentic national National Day, perhaps, and Australia Day. And then with the end of um, that centenary period, uh, I think there was a shift back to Australia Day and to a kind of cultural preoccupation with that and to its drawing into the culture wars, which has obviously been very strong in the last few weeks. Mm. You wrote recently in the conversation calling the issue a complex debate. Now, the other issue you brought up was uh, the age of Australians. And my question to you is, do you think the idea of sticking with January 26 is predominantly seen in older Australians versus younger Australians? Yeah, the evidence, so that's really clear. I, I actually did a, a survey with Darren Penney of the Social Research Centre late 2018. So it was actually before the, the usual Australia Day change the date season. And the findings of that, you know, four years ago, five years ago, were, were very clear that there was an overall majority of people wanted to stick with the 26th of January and Australia Day, about 70%, in fact, we found. But then once you started digging down into different generations, the picture changed really substantially. For millennials, it was about 58%. Uh, for Gen Z, it wasn't even a majority. So only 47% basically approved of sticking with the 26th of January. There have obviously been many surveys since then, and they tend to, to turn up similar sorts of generational differences of that kind. Younger people are much less attached to, to Anzac Day and to the traditional ways of marking that day than older people are. Do you think it's down to what kids are being taught in schools? Is there a different kind of curriculum that younger Australians are learning about our Indigenous history more and understanding the impacts of colonisation on the Indigenous people? Or is it more, like you said, these attitude shifts to the way that we celebrate National Days? I guess to use the term cringe, a lot of young people might just go, oh, I don't want to be patriotic and weird. It's strange. Oh, I think the latter is true. A lot of that, uh, you know, sort of very patriotic uh, ritual, the wearing of national colours, all that sort of thing was quite common, you know, back in the 1970s and 1980s. Uh, the green and gold or clothing that had an Australian flag on it. But yeah, I mean, that's also partly about changing historical consciousness and sensibilities. I went to school in the 1980s. We would have learned, I think, 
almost nothing about things like frontier violence and relations between settler and Indigenous Australians, I think perhaps till maybe year 11 Australian history, which means most students would have learnt nothing because they wouldn't have done history in those upper years. Whereas now, I think that it, it is much more embedded in the curriculum. Um, there are obviously important rituals such as the welcome to country, acknowledgement of country, that students perform themselves at school, that they see teachers and hear teachers and visitors performing. Obviously, uh, public and civic ceremonies um, have much more explicitly incorporated recognition of Indigenous history and culture. All of that clearly has, uh, you know, its impacts on on younger people and and lesser impacts, I think, on older people who are less subject perhaps to at least some of those sites of, of, of ritual. We've talked about the generation divide, but we also have to talk about the political divide when looking at the issue of Australia Day and the argument to change the date or keep it the same. What lines are we seeing drawn? Is there a clear-cut difference for support when it comes to Conservative voters versus Liberal with a small L voters? Yeah, this, the survey that Darren and I did some years ago showed that, uh, that, that Liberal uh, National Party voters uh, were, were much more, well, coalition voters were much more supportive of Australia Day than uh, Labor Party voters or those who identified as Greens voters. Indeed, Greens voters, only a minority supported Australia Day in the survey we did. Uh, if you're looking across the states, I mean, there's, there's less support for Australia Day in Victoria than elsewhere, reflecting, I guess, I guess the the pattern of of more uh, you know kind of progressive values that that you know has been reflected in electoral results in Victoria federally and in the states for some years. So those differences are important. Women too are less supportive of Australia Day than men are. Again, reflecting patterns that we know exist more broadly, where women are more inclined to progressive politics these days. So yeah, those those differences exist, and yeah, I think that affects the way in which political sort of dialogue and discourse um, has occurred. Research recently asked people to associate three words with Australia Day and the overwhelming favourites were barbecue, celebration and holiday. To me, that sounds like those people involved in that study, at least, you know, weren't associating it with, you know, Australia's colonisation or, you know, white settlement or anything like that. It was more associated with the fact that people got a day off and, yeah, they got to celebrate, you know, being in Australia and living in one of the best countries in the world. But given that there's so little acknowledgement of that historical significance, why are we so reluctant to change the date and move it to a day that maybe has more meaning to all of Australia? Yeah, so there's the historical significance of a day and there's its sim- symbolic significance, isn't there? And and I think it's absolutely right that most Australians are probably a bit hazy about what the day actually marks historically. Uh, some people think it's got uh, something or other to do with Captain Cook, which it doesn't. Uh, it's, it's obviously to do with the arrival of the First Fleet at Port Jackson at Sydney in 1788. But, you know, a lot of people would be, I think, pretty vague about all of that, but it clearly does have all sorts of symbolic significance. Um, I guess particularly on the political right, there's been a kind of ambition in recent years that it would hold the same kind of civic role as something like Independence Day in the United States or Bastille Day in France. Um, My sense is it can't do that because it's clearly a contentious day. It means something very different for most Indigenous people um, who see it as a day of mourning and of pain. That particular kind of counter-narrative actually goes a long way back. I mean, it was um, there in 1938 
debate when uh, Indigenous activists contested Australia Day all the way back then and, and you know, called for a day of mourning was very prominent in the bicentenary of 1988 where you know you had millions along Sydney Harbour and you had First Fleet reenactment and you had tall ships and all sorts of celebrations, but you also had uh, protests in Sydney by Indigenous people and their supporters, marches of tens of thousands of people, smoking ceremonies at Kurnell and all the rest of it. So it's been very contested, which means that the kind of symbolic civic weight that people want to attach to it as a, a kind of day of unity, um, perhaps comparable with some of those other countries that I mentioned, doesn't seem to work terribly well. And it's had a fairly checkered history too. I mean, it's had a number of names over the years. Uh, There have been other dates, of course, which have been called Australia Day and which have been observed as Australia Day, usually in wartime as fundraising activities in July or October. Uh, You know, so it's emergence, I think, as a a kind of focus of of some sort of, uh, you know, national symbolism really has been pretty recent and in retrospect it might actually be seen as a fairly brief period because it clearly is no longer able to perform that role. Um, Certainly from the middle of the 20th century it began to to be an occasion for various forms of civic activity, citizenship ceremonies being the classic ones. And so the first of those I'm aware of occurred in January 1949 here in Canberra, where I am at the moment, at the Albert Hall. So the recognition that it could be used for that kind of activity came pretty early, uh, sort of as a mid-20th century thing. I mean, that's just after Australian citizenship was legislated for the first time. Um, And and of course, in in, more recent years, it's the day on which you announce Australia Day honours, Australian of the Year. But, you know, there's clearly been a drawing back from that kind of role, reflected especially in the reluctance of a number of municipal councils, local councils, to conduct citizenship ceremonies on that day. Before we let you go, Frank, how do you see this playing out? Are we, the the debate's been raging on for years and years. As you said, uh, Indigenous activists protesting on January 26th is nothing new, but we really have seen an increase in that in the last decade or so. Are we going to see movement by a government on this anytime soon? No, we may not see movement by governments. I mean, it's a public holiday and has been observed on the day itself rather than just as a long weekend as it used to be, uh, you know, for some time now. So governments probably won't move drastically on Australia Day. I think what we're much more likely to see is a kind of evolution to something different. So it may still be observed as a as a holiday. There may be a, a much stronger attempt, I think, to insert a kind of more of a a reflective aspect to it, particularly around Australia's uh, history of race relations. I think that's likely to to come into it. In the past, we've seen attempts to to kind of weld it to ideas around multiculturalism and cultural diversity, and and that's continued over the years as well. And and it may be that, you know, there's a renewed effort in that kind of area as well as a way of kind of salvaging uh, Australia Day. But, yeah, I can't see governments necessarily turning sharply against Mm. No, I can't either, given the debate that continues to rage on. It's hard to make everyone happy. But I guess what I'd hope for is something that maybe unifies us a little bit more rather than divides us. Frank, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us today. It's been a pleasure, Sasha. Thanks. That was Frank Bongiorno, a political historian at the Australian National University. 
Given it is such a contentious issue, it is unlikely any government is going to have the courage to change the date, especially in the wake of the overwhelming rejection of The Voice in last year's referendum. That's all we have time for, but in the meantime, we would love to hear your thoughts on this topic. You can send us a message or even better, send us a voice message on Instagram. We might even play your response on a future episode. I'm Sasha Barbagat. Thanks for listening. Listener.